Uh, Pastor Derek is, is uh, in Arizona right now, visiting with Wade. He's graduating from AIT tomorrow, is it? His, his, I think it's tomorrow. Um, and so there was some confusion. They kept moving around the graduation date, so he just wanted to make sure that he could be down there, obviously, which we all understand, and our prayers and thoughts are with him. Wade will be graduating and then heading to Airborne School down in Georgia, and then his first station will be in North Carolina. So uh, as a family, we're really excited and praying for him. Um, just, just for what God's doing in his life through the military. Amen? So I have the awesome opportunity of wrapping up the SCAR series um, that we started all the way back on Easter Sunday. And so um, thank you guys that are here are here. I'm on my fourth cup of coffee, so I'm ready to preach. And uh, I'm awake and ready to go this morning. So let's hop right into Isaiah 53. This has kind of been our, our sectional verse for the series. Isaiah 53 verse 1 says... Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. God, I just pray this morning uh, that as we hop into your word, Father, we hop into this message, Lord, that you would anoint my words, Father. Um, and, Father, that you would be with us this morning. That we would walk away from this place different than we came in this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we've, we've talked uh, over the past three, four weeks here about, about scars and the role that they play in our lives. And I think I, I really want to go back and highlight the importance of Jesus' scars and how that relates to our scars. Because we know that, that our story can only start where Jesus' story ended, right? And so when we understand, uh, Pastor talked about the redemption of scars, that, that Jesus' scars represent, re, re, represent redemption. Amen. Jesus' scars represent a hope for us that is greater than anything that we could provide for ourselves. And you'll see there, we must be able to understand the scars of Jesus in order to understand the importance and role that our scars play in daily life. So today, I want to talk about how do our scars, how do we handle our scars in daily life? How do we handle trials and tribulations in everyday life that come our way? And what do, what do our scars and Jesus' scars, what's the role that they play in that? So um, today, I want, to, I want to focus in on that. Look here, it says, not only are we meant to know how the scars of Jesus relate to ours, we are meant to recognize that our scars can be tools and weapons in our everyday life to further the kingdom of God and give our lives a deeper purpose. You see, I, as I was studying this week, I realized that too often we hold on to our own scars, right? Too often we hold on to those things in our life that have created bitterness, hardness, and offense in our hearts, and we're afraid to give them over to Jesus because we want to hold on to those for ourselves. There's a powerful thing when you're willing to give up those things and give them to Jesus, lay them at the feet of the cross. See, when you hang on to your own scars, it provides bitterness, hardness, and offense. But when you give your scars over to Jesus, right, mercy, forgiveness, and healing abound through Jesus Christ. And when we, when, when we understand the importance of laying those things at the feet of the cross, humbling ourselves, right, pastors talked about our, what is worship? It means to bow, right? So when we bow at the foot of the cross, we give those things over to Jesus and allow him to operate in our lives in a greater way than we ever could. 
It's funny, you know, there's, there's this habit that Jesus and God have of making the ugliest of situations into the most beautiful of circumstances. And we see it, we see it at the cross, right? Jesus, Jesus, you know, bled for us. He was beaten, he was bruised for us. Something that looked, right, in worldly eyes, looked like a defeat, looked like the worst defeat in the history of mankind. Someone that was innocent, right? And he lost. But he only lost in the eyes of man. And we know that, that Jesus goes to the cross and it's looking like he's losing, right? They even have the opportunity, they get, they get a second chance to release Jesus and they release someone they know to be a murderer. Jesus heads to the cross, right? And Jesus, we know, obviously dies on the cross, raises three days later, and we see the greatest victory in the history of mankind, something that looked like the worst defeat, right? The, fa the farthest you can get over here, Jesus turned and made it the farthest that you can get over here on the side of victory. Can I get in is someone Is someone in here? I came to preach this morning. I was telling Danielle. I said, I came to preach this morning. I hope some people are here to listen this morning, right? I want to share my heart with you guys this morning about this. You see, I want to, like I said, I want to look at, I want to look at how this affects our daily life. What the Bible says about how these trials and tribulations affect our daily life. Because we all have daily lives, we ha all have these things that we walk through, but sometimes we don't understand how we're called to walk through them. We know the why. We know that the why is because we're called to walk in victory, right? We're called to walk in the victory that Jesus provided, but let's take a look today at how we're supposed to do that. Open your Bible to Romans 8.28. I gotta say, you know, this is probably my favorite verse in the Bible, but oftentimes this verse can be taken way out of context. And so I want to dive in and talk about this verse today. Romans 8, 28. In the ESV version, it says, For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Read that again. For we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You see, Paul in, in, in the beginning part of Romans chapter 8 talks about the, the struggle that we all face that we're enslaved in sin from birth, right? Because of the original man's decision that was made, right? We all know Adam fell, and so we're subjected to a sin nature. We're subjected to this, this mindset of sin from birth. But that when we take up, when we take up the promise of Jesus, when we, when, we, when we bow at his feet, when we realize what his scars meant to us, we take up the adoption, the sonship, and the daughtership of Jesus Christ. We become a member of the eternal family, the eternal kingdom of God. You see, uh, this is something, you know, I've had the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with a lot of youth. If you don't, if you don't know, I'm the youth pastor here at Gateway Church. And one of the first things that I, that I warn youth, right, I say, man, I, I really want to give my life to the Lord. I say, you know, the first thing I tell them, right, you guys might view me as like a Debbie Downer or whatever, but I say, this isn't going to be easy, right? I say, I just want you to know, like, this, this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be the hardest thing that you've ever done. Because as Christians, we're not, we're not called to do it halfway. Right? The Bible says that if we're lukewarm, he'll spew us out of his mouth. So I say, you know, if you're going to do this, you've got to be hot, man. You've got to be on fire for Jesus. You've got to do it, right? This is what Nike's talking about. Just do it, man. Right? 
And when we, when, we go into, when we go into everyday life with that mindset that it's not going to be easy, but that the victory that we can have in life is at our fingertips, that victory is all, already there waiting for us, and the only thing that we have to do is access it, the only thing that we have to do is reach out and grab it, we can become victorious through Jesus Christ in the smallest of circumstances and in the biggest of trials and tribulations. Because when we understand that this, the verse says, for all things work together for good. You might not see the good at first. You might not see the good when it's happening. But it's working together for good, and that provides a hope that nothing else can provide in our lives. It's the message of the gospel that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in defeat. We don't have to live as, as the tail, but we can live as the head. And when we walk in that, we understand the scars in our lives that they play a victorious role. They're no longer ugly, but they're beautiful. They're turned, they're turned from something that was so bad and so painful into something that provides hope for other people. Do you ever think that the trials and tribulations that you walk for aren't just for yourself? They're not just for your life. They're for the lives of those around you. Because Jesus set the example for what that looked like. The things that he walked through and the victories that he had weren't just for his life, but they were for every life that is to come. Everyone who would, who would call him Lord and Savior, they're for their lives. The things that he faced, the things that he battled, the, the great thing about Jesus is that he sets the example in every area of how we're supposed to live. The Bible says that Jesus faced every temptation that we faced, right? The only difference is Jesus was able to overcome it. We see Jesus, right before he's going to go into ministry, he heads out to the desert and he fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of his fast, the devil offers him all of the world if he would just bow down to him. Is this ringing a bell for anyone? Anyone heard this story? And I, I, told, I shared this with my youth last week because I just think this is hilarious, right? The devil's like, see all this, Jesus? This could be yours, right? And in the back of Jesus' head, right? Jesus could be the, the best sarcastic comeback guy ever, right? In the back of his head, you gotta, you gotta know Jesus is thinking like, dude, this is already mine. Like, what's your problem, Right? <laughs> But Jesus says, come on now. Why would I bow down to you when all this is already mine? I, I, have, I have this earth because I've, I've already overcome. I'm about to put it in action. You're about to see it, and it's going to be awesome because you'll have your victory for a little while. But in the, in the grand scheme of things, you're trapped on this earth. You're trapped here. When we, we understand that Jesus set that example for us of what that looks like, you know, so often as Christians, I feel that we just take advantage of grace. We just, we just don't even try not to sin. We don't make it a conscious effort because we know that the grace and mercy of God is available for us. But when we shift our mindsets a little bit, right, to understand that grace and mercy wasn't there to, for, us to be, for, for it to be taken advantage of, but for us to walk in a full identity of Jesus Christ, we understand the things that the Bible says about living a pure life. Yes, grace is there for you, but if you're walking in sin, you're not seeing the purity and the completeness of the life that Jesus has called you to. There's pain, there's hurt, there's all these things, but thank God for Romans 8, 28, that all these things work out together for good. You know, it's like, it's like someone who's looking at a painting and they can only see real up close and they see this ugly, dark spot on the painting. But when they take five steps back and look at the grand scheme of things of what the artist has done, it's a beautiful picture and a beautiful masterpiece. That's not incomplete. It's not just those black spots, but it's complete with the color and beauty and grand majesty of everything that the artist composed. 
Sometimes we have to have that mindset to take a few steps back and look at what's going on. That's why this is my favorite verse in the Bible. The other thing, the other thing that I notice about this verse is it says, for those who are called according to his purpose, right? For those who love God first and those who are called according to his purpose. Is there anyone who loves God and is called according to his purpose in this place? You see, when we, when we understand that, man, I love God and I know that I'm called according to his purpose, there's accountability there with other believers. That when you want to hang your head, when, when things seem so down, when the pain is unbearable, when the temptation is unbearable, that there's other people around you to pick you up and help you say, look, I know you love God and I know that you're called according to his purpose. Take a few steps back and realize that this is working out for good. This is the application, right? This is the application that Paul wants us to get out of these verses. Is that we're here to, we're here to help each other. Two is better than one, and a triple-stranded cord can't be broken, right? If a triple-stranded cord can't be broken, imagine what four or five believers can do together. That's why it's so important to get in, in life groups. That's why it's so important to find accountability partners no matter your age. I don't care if, I don't care if you're 10 years old, you're a fresh believer, Right? Or if, or if you're 70, 80 years old and you've been believing in Jesus since you were born. Accountability is a principle that Jesus established because we weren't meant to walk alone on this earth. And it's time that we start living in it as a church body, as a congregation. Instead of, instead of just coming in here and saying, hey, hello, how's it going? Let's have deeper conversations. Let's start caring about each other's lives and what's going on because we know that there's victory where there's two or three together. There's three things I want to share about in, in application to everyday life. The first there on your outline is be proactive. Be proactive. <coughs> Excuse me. See, we have to be aware, that's your second blank, that trials will come our way. This is that whole, the Christian life doesn't come easy thing. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Right? If we understand that, that we have a sin nature, if we understand that we're prone to sin, then we're, we're able and called to be proactive in understanding that those things are going to come our way. We become more aware of situations. We become more aware of circumstances. You know, at our Ignite the Night uh, this past Sunday, which was an awesome event, we had almost 50 students that came out to hear the word. I shared, I shared on, on spiritual warfare a little bit, right? And I shared on the fact that we have to be aware that there's an enemy out there, right? I'll preach this till I'm blue in the face because so often in our society, the devil, the devil is viewed as like a cartoon, as like this kind of fakey, like on your right shoulder, left shoulder, angel and demon type of thing that's not real. You have a very real enemy out there that knows your weaknesses, knows the things that you prefer, and knows of what places that you struggle, right? It's like he, he knows your wounds, right? And what's the easiest way to hurt someone? If, if they have an open wound, the easiest way to hurt them is just to poke it just a little bit, right? And sometimes it's not a punch in the wound, right? It's not like that, ah! It's just that little, little poke. You're like, man, that is annoying. The devil's an annoyer, man. And I, and I shared about this in being proactive. You have to be willing to get on your knees to pray for your daily life. 
to pray for your family, to pray for your friends, to pray for those people, those lives that you're battling for, those souls that you're battling for, because there is a very real enemy. But I also share that anything that Christ can do through you is greater than anything that the devil can do against you. So stop worrying so much about the devil and get in Christ and you won't have any worries about what the devil's doing. Stop blaming everything on the devil and what he's doing and start getting in Christ and find out what he can do in your life. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful principle that when we're inside of Christ, we don't have to worry about the things that are going on outside. But the true challenge is being truly accountable with yourself for what that looks like. Are you in your Bible every day? Do you have a prayer life? Right? Do you worship? Do you fast? Outside of here. All those things bring more power than you, than you could ever know. They bring, they bring results past what we can see that are right in front of us. And so often, as, a, as an American culture even, we only, we only want to do things where we can see the result instantly. Right? Where there's, there's a result right in front of us. I only want to plant this seed if I can see the flower grow. But sometimes we have to trust that Jesus will take care of the timing and we're just called to be disciplined in what we do. Amen? Amen. That second verse there says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. Pastors talked about this verse a couple times. Guard your heart. Be, be careful. You know, create a filter about the things that you let inside of your life. Don't, don't let the only thing that... that influence you be the only things that you can sense with your five senses are you with me <coughs> excuse me get inside of the word of God study it be accountable with someone else who's willing to do that with you and guard your heart create a filter you see our decision in life is not whether or not we fall but rather our decision comes in the direction that we fall choose to fall forward Choose to fall forward. If all fall short of the glory of God and have sinned, we know those things are coming. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. Why so often do we insist on staying down? If you're going to fall, if you're going to stumble, don't let it set you back in your walk with God. Let it propel you forward so that you can learn from those mistakes, so that you can learn from those things that happened. Stop sulking in, in your defeat, Right? And lunge yourself towards the victory of God. You know, one of my favorite preachers, one of my favorite preachers is Jensen Franklin. And he made this statement about this idea. He said, beat your accuser to the throne. He said, beat your accuser to the throne. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, right? The devil is just waiting to tell God all the wrong things that you've done. Your job, is, if you fall, is to get back up and sprint as close to God as you can so you can tell him that I'm covered in the blood of Jesus before your accuser gets there. Yes. Right? Are you, guys, are you guys with me this morning? Yes. Because when we, when we understand that, that the closer we draw to God, the safer we are, those scars, those scars really become irrelevant. They're not for us anymore, but they become a testimony for everyone else. Amen? Let's take a look at the second point here. The second point says, be precise. Be precise. The way we deal with our wounds when they happen will affect more than we can see. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us 
our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Matthew 6.14 says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I want to I share what I mean about being precise, right? When those things, when those things happen, when you, when you get offended or someone hurts you or, or you, you've got unbearable pain or depression, we have to be willing to take care of those things immediately and take care of them the right way. Look, if you were to get, if you were to get shot in the arm with a gun, okay, tell me how important the next 10 minutes of how you take care of that injury affects the next 10 years of your life. Look, if, if you don't disinfect that, if you don't take the bullet out, if you don't get it fixed properly, you could, you could go as far as having to have your arm amputated. Am I right? That's why it's so important that you take care of these things immediately. You don't let them take root. You don't let them get infected. You don't let this bitterness grow in your heart. But instead, you repent for the things that you've done, step one. And then you forgive others for the things that they've done. And you accept the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. Because the second part in Matthew 6, 15, it says, For if you do not forgive others, I myself will not forgive you. It's not a one-way street. We can't just say grace, 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 and hold on to it. We have to give it out. We have to be willing to extend the same grace that Jesus gave us because he's called us to live a life in accordance with what he's already done. It's too often it's just, it's just automatic for us to hold grudges. It's, it's, it's too easy for us to just hold on to things. Not only that, but it's too easy for us to recognize what other people have done and not see the faults that we have. Let me tell you why. Because we try to measure sin. We try to say that this is worse than that. All sin leads to death. And when we comprehend that, there's no measuring system. There's only right and wrong. And the way that we deal with our wrongs in our life is, is to extend the grace of Jesus into our own lives, to accept what he's already done for us on the cross, and then to extend it to others. It can't be a one-way street because Jesus tells us it won't work. He says, if you don't forgive others, I'm not going to forgive you. Forgiveness is easier to extend than you think. Don't, don't let those scars become worse than they have to become. Don't let those wounds become worse than they have to become. Because there's freedom in the forgiveness and healing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. See, forgiveness and repentance are not meant to be conditional like I shared. The Bible tells us to repent to God to be forgiven and repent to others to be healed. There's power in accountability. There's power in having those people that you can share your wrongs with. This is something I struggled with for so long. I didn't want to let anyone else know the wrong things that were going on in my life because I was prideful. You know, I shared this statement that a preacher made last Sunday as well. If pride can turn an angel into a devil, imagine what it can do to you. Should I drop the mic? Is that? Is that? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't come up with that, but if pride can turn an angel into a devil, imagine what it can do to you. Learn what it means to be humble. Learn what it means to humble yourself because it's just nature for everyone to be prideful. It's, na it's natural for us to want to hold on to those things, to, for everyone to think that our face is perfect and that nothing's going on. There's nothing more attractive to me as a believer than someone else who is willing to say, I need help with this. Because it encourages me to say those same things. We're called to lead in the kingdom of God. We're called to lead. Be the example for those around you of what it looks like to confess your sins. 
And hopefully that person, you know, hopefully that person won't judge you because they're not meant to. They're, they're, find someone who won't judge you, but that will encourage you to find the things of God, to find the things of Christ, and to get that healing that you need. Be precise. Be precise about the way that you deal with those things. Amen? Number three here, be persistent. Be persistent. Know that we are able to overcome because of Jesus' scars. This is one of my, this is one of the most encouraging verses you'll find in the Bible, I strongly believe. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now it's funny how all these things tie together, right? It's funny how there's this general principle that we need to lean on Christ. We, we're called to be proactive. We're called to be precise in how we deal with things. But not only that, when those things come, we're called to be persistent in overcoming them. The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and what? The word of our testimony. Allow your scars to become the word of your testimony. Allow your scars to become the word of your testimony because it overcomes the devil. What does it mean by that? It means I've walked through this situation. I've overcome it because I'm faithful to be proactive. I'm faithful to be precise in how I deal with this. And now someone else who is walking through the same thing can now overcome that because I can help guide them and show them the way of how that's done. That's what it means to overcome. Anything that's paired with the blood of the lamb is cool with me. Because the blood of the lamb is powerful. Right? The devil can't touch you if you got the blood covering you. Come on, somebody. You know, we, we're, so, like, we're so afraid to get stoked in church, man. I tell you. Like Michael Jordan dunks on someone, we go crazy, and then like, we can't get stoked in church about Jesus Christ and the blood of the lamb. Right? The blood of the lamb has got you. It's got you. Just walk in it. Build your testimony. Understand that all things work together for good. Don't hang your head, but walk in victory and walk in the confidence of salvation. Boast in his salvation. That's the one thing the Bible tells us that we can boast about is his salvation. If you're a cocky person like I am, I'm trying to deal with it, then <laughs> boast in his salvation. If you've got to boast, boast in his salvation. You know, I tell people all the time, it's funny, uh, you know, I go, to, I go to UCCS, I'm in, in my last phase of classes, and uh, I, I look for every open door I can to share God with someone. I'm in a comparative religions class, okay, which is a lot of fun, because I'm one of three Christians, okay, and the rest of the people are Buddhists and Hindu and atheists, right? So, this, this past couple weeks, we've been talking about Christianity, Right? Being taught Christianity from who, he won't share his faith with us, but I believe that he's either an atheist or a Hindu teacher, right? So, you know, right? Like a math teacher doing science. Yes, very good. And he starts, he starts sharing about the concept of grace in Jesus. And he, oh my gosh. I, I was sitting in my chair praying, like, God, please, like, please show some mercy and grace on this guy. I wanted to be respectful. I didn't want to start a hot debate or anything in class, so I, I waited till after class, 
shared my testimony with my teacher about what grace truly is, right? And he was like, he's like, well, you know, I didn't need to know all that information. I said, yeah, you did. <laughs> I said, yeah, you did, or else you wouldn't be able to understand what grace is. Because, because grace is just the weapon, and our testimonies are the ammunition. Do you understand that? The, the scars of Jesus, right? The scars of Jesus are our weapon. The ammunition is our scars. You have to choose to use them. You have to choose to use those things, and you have to be persistent in doing so. I'm not afraid what people think of me, if you haven't noticed. Right? I'm not afraid what people think of me. Because I know that my reward is in the life to come. I understand that my reward is to come, and I will never see it fully here on earth, and I'm okay with that. Because growth doesn't happen all the time from what we can see, but growth happens from what we sow. Do you understand that? Start sowing into people's lives with your testimony. Start being persistent about battling through the fear of man, battling through the fear of rejection, and, and, and sow that into someone else's life who desperately needs it. You never know who you walk across that needs to hear Jesus. And so often we just assume that people don't want to. Just do it 100% of the time, right? And then you don't have to worry about if you got it right or not, the guess about who wants to hear it. <coughs> Does that make sense? John 16, says, I have said these things to you that in, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That was when, I mean, that was when Jesus was still on earth, right? Jesus is like, I already got you, man. Right? And then what do we see all the disciples do when, when all this happens to Jesus? Scatter! Right? They're all like, scatter! Don't scatter from Jesus. Don't scatter from Jesus let, let, their, let their scars, let, let Peter's scars of denying Jesus be your witness and your testimony to why you should take up who Jesus is and proclaim him in your life. Why do you think that stuff's in the Bible? Why, why do you think Peter had to walk through a humbling circumstance like that so he could be the rock of the church? You know, sometimes you're just not, you're just not ready for what God has for you. Sometimes you need to, you need to have some development, that, that development can come in the word of God. That development can come in prayer if we would just submit ourselves to it. But sometimes other things have to happen that humble us a little bit, that knock us down a notch so we understand we're not all that. I tell you, that's, I mean, that, that's what's had to happen to me time and time again in life. I'm not hot stuff. You know, in high school, I used to be able to not study for tests and get A's. Right? Thank you, Lord. Right? <laughs> not by my own account. But then I got to college, right? Then I got to college... And I was like, you know, friends are like, hey, did you study? I'm like, nah, knock this out, 15, 20 minutes, we'll be outie, right? That's my college voice. And so <laughs> I remember the first, the first test I took was a math test in college. And I took it in about 15 to 20 minutes because, you know, I was trying to show off, I was trying to get out of there, trying to go home. And uh, this, <laughs> this professor des decides to post his grades publicly, right, <laughs> which is great. Which is great when I look at the grand scheme of all things did work out together for good, right? But at the time, when that D went up there, and ev everyone's like, I thought you said you were going to get an A. And I'm like, well, you know, your mom, right? 
sometimes, sometimes it takes us to be humbled a little bit so that God can propel us forward. Scars were never meant to hold us in the past, but rather they were meant to enrich our future. Scars were never meant to hold us in the past, but rather they were meant to enrich our future. When we learn from the things that we've gone through, and most importantly, when we learn how to deal with them through Jesus Christ and his scars, his scars set the, the status for us. His scars set the template about how we're supposed to handle things. We understand that, that there's a reason that, that Paul says to count it all joy when you walk through persecution and tribulation. Count it all joy, right? Because your reward is to come. You may not have the most comfortable life. You know, Jesus says, even, even, even you guys hated the prophets. Even you guys despised and rejected the prophets of the Old Testament, these very people that we look up to now because we understand the eternal message of what they did. People in the time are not going to understand why you're doing what you're doing, but Jesus does. God understands. God gets it, and that's all the comfort that you need. That's all the identity that you need. That's all the acceptance that you need is in God and in his word. Are you guys with me? Don't, don't let your scars hurt. Your scars don't have to hurt. No, we've, we've gone through a whole series about walking from what Jesus' scars meant to baptism and communion, what we're supposed to do. And then we've walked last week about how to evangelize using our scars. And this week, let's find out how to, how to take care of our everyday lives. You know, I want to I challenge you guys this week. I want to read this first. See, we aren't called to live in sin, but rather we are called to live in the abundance of Jesus' grace. Our scars are meant to be testimonies and reflections of his goodness in our lives. But so often we want to keep them to ourselves. If I, could, if I could have you walk away with anything, don't keep your scars to yourself. Don't try to cover them up. As, as ugly as they may seem to you in your eyes, in your sin nature, they're beautiful to those who need them. You, are you with me? Because the things that you walk through are valuable people. People care about you. People care about the things that you faced, and they need to hear it more than you think. You're not as bad off as you think, right? You really aren't. Because God's got you. God's got you. Amen. This week, you'll see there at the bottom, I left some, I left some room for you there to take some notes this week. If you guys would take this home, I challenge you to do that. <clears throat> for your last blanks there, I just want to say, the Beatitudes challenge our mindsets and contradict our sin nature. I want to challenge you guys this week to go through Matthew 5 through 7. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a sermon that Jesus gave, it's a, it's a teaching that Jesus gave that shows us how we're meant to live, right? It shows us, it shows us these, how we can shift our mindset to start living and walking in the peace of God in our lives. And I challenge you to do that. And I, and I want to say this, so often we wait for motivation to come first and then action to follow, Right? But let your action come first, and I promise you the motivation will follow. Let your action come first. Step out of your comfort zone a little bit. Do something you may not want to do, and let the motivation follow you and carry you. I share, I share this with my students all the time. You know, when you want to start working out, there's not necessarily all the motivation in the world, especially when you're sore the next day after you've pumped some iron, right? You're like, oh, man. But then you start seeing the results of what's going on, and you're like, oh, yeah. Time to hit the gym, right? 
it's, it's no different in the Word of God. Sometimes we have to have those growing pains. Sometimes we have to stretch a little bit and grow our muscles, and it, it's sore because we haven't used them in a while. Get inside of the Word of God and let that become routine. I want to invite the worship team up. We're going to close with a, with a chorus of a song here. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been battling sickness all week. It's been fun. Thank God for Dayquil. And I just want to close myself. I wrote, I wrote a spoken word. I wrote a spoken word around this SCAR series, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. And then we'll hop into worship here. My scars tell a story. The depth and the size simply reflect his glory because it was his scars that truly complete my story. One in each hand and one in both feet allowed the failures of my life to be victories and not defeat. These scars are more than marks, they are symbols. That a life alone is not strong but broken and ignorantly simple. We were meant to be tied to a story because the reason he died was to reconcile the broken lives that lied as a result of the first man's independent seeking eyes. We tried and we tried to comprise the things of life until we ourselves lost all of our spice. But we are called to be the salt of the earth. Isn't it funny that the salt is what stings and allows us to see the healing that Jesus can bring? That we ourselves are called to help others resolve and find the king of kings who brings an end to pain and eliminates suffering. He called you by name and upon your finger placed a golden ring. Not caring about the iniquities, but removing them so that the path is clearer and nearer than you think. You see, you aren't as bad off as you think. You're not worthless and you're not worth less than anything because God gave you his best. Don't forget that he is the one who gives you rest. So rest in his might and boast in his salvation because it cleansed the spots and made you snow white. Try as you might to feed me the poisonous apple, but I've decided that I will fight. Because my future and my vision, they are bright, and my spirit is contrite. My scars don't define who I am, but paired with the blood of the Lamb, I can overcome anything. Call me a son, is my Jesus fam. Yes, my scars tell a story, but without his, they are shallow and eternally boring. So lay all you have at his feet, for his mercies and forgiveness stretch from the west to the east. Stand and let's worship.